Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. And I'm Wajahat Ali. And we are very excited to bring another esteemed, esteemed guest to democracy, <laughs> to democracy-ish, uh, writer, activist, Parker Malloy. But I will turn it over to Wajahat to do his movie phone, good intro of good, good people. Parker Malloy pisses <laughs> off all the right people. She is the host and author of The Present Age with Parker Malloy on Substack. You can read it on readtpa.com. And she is the winner of the 2022 NYU American Journalism Online Award winner for Best Media Criticism. Thank you so much, Parker, for joining us. I, I look forward <laughs> to that every week, by the way. That, that's, what, that's what makes me happy in life. The fact that Danielle allows me to do the movie phone voice. I mean, it's if, such if joy. Do the movie phone voice. What's the point of having a podcast? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, what's what's the point? Uh, Parker, yeah. you um, are always in the fray. You're doing the good work. Uh, you get attacked by all the right and wrong people. Yeah. Uh, the first question I want to ask, we want to talk to you about media criticism. We want to talk to you about how our institutions can do better. But uh, among your many roles, you're also uh, openly transgender. You advocate uh, for your community. You've been in the muck. Um, and I still think people don't know what it's like to be transgender in this environment in 2022 America when there's a target on you and your community. If you don't mind, just for audience, and I, most people have no idea, what is it like being a human being who's transgender and having your entire identity and livelihood being weaponized by the right wing? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not fun. It is uh, it's suboptimal, I would say. Uh, would be understatement of the year. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of an annoyance, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been frustrating. I mean, and I, and I feel like this is something that's affected different groups throughout time at various, you know, pretty much every, everyone in the room right now with us Mm -hmm. uh, has at what has at one point currently or previously been that sort of target, you know, based on just who you are. And that is uh, it's, it's frustrating because when, you know, when a group of conservative activists or conservative media outlets decide to go all in on whatever their issue of the day is, whether it's 
trans people or, you know, freaking out after 9-11 and deciding uh, to try to strip away the rights of Muslim Americans or their last year's critical race theory obsession. It's, it's just, it sucks because it's, it's just, it's not fair. It's not Mm. something that they actually have concerns about or legitimate concerns about. It's just, it's a political tool. And that I think is what trans people right now, you know, among others are, are facing. And, you know, like uh, just today, this, uh, yeah, this right wing, group called Summit Ministries, uh, they did a poll and they said that uh, a substantial majority of Americans say, American likely voters say that the transgender movement has gone too far. And their their poll says 65% say it's gone too far. And it's kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, well, what what do you mean by too far? And then they, you read their like methodology and it's so twisted you know, they, they specifically say things like, oh, well, people are afraid, you know, uh, we polled people and, and, and a bunch of them were afraid to speak their mind on this issue in the workplace. And it's like, what, why the fuck would you be speaking your mind on this issue in the workplace? You know, why, why is, is that a thing that people are like, God, I really need to, to let my coworker who is trans know that I don't respect them as a human being, you know, like why, why are these things people are so focused on and then it shifts from one thing to the next what it, you know we might be talking about oh well you see i don't have a problem with trans people i just i'm very concerned about the integrity of women's sports and that's why they shouldn't have any rights you know like that is kind of their their sort of argument they take something where it's like yeah you could you can have concerns about you know sports and we can we can have s- civil conversations about what rules should be but that's never what they're doing they're looking for ways in ways to undermine trans people as a whole and you and you see that happen uh over and over and over and one of the problems obviously is that mainstream news outlets tend to either a ignore this or b feed into it the new york times has been doing a great job of that lately Just, just totally feeding, feeding the panic. <laughs> Daniel, can I, can I just do a quick follow up here? Because we, we, you know, we've talked about this on this program in the sense that uh, the the trans panic and CRT panic, where I am in Virginia, worked like gangbusters to convert a lot of suburban parents who otherwise vote Democrat. And and I've shared on this podcast before. I know some of these folks, and they're like, they're they're going to make my kids trans. They're going to make my kids gay, right? And when it, when you look at transgender people in America, it's less than it's less than 1% of the population. In fact, whenever, whenever I ask folks, when was the last time you encountered a trans person? They never have an answer. Like, when was the last time you were in the bathroom and a trans person came and said, boo? And, and, and I want to ask you, and this is just an, you know, you know this better than I do, uh, but me just being an observer, why is this particular issue so successful in otherwise galvanizing the fears of otherwise logical, rational people? I mean, it it kind of plays on a lot of the a lot of the old, you know, tropes of uh, whether it's anti-gay tropes, anti-black tropes. You know, like these things all they take all of the old moral panics and then they just reuse the same strategies. Oh, we can't let trans people use use the restroom because what if they go and they attack a woman or or a little girl? And it's like that's the same sort of 
you know, um, that's the same sort of panic that was brought up to try to argue against gay people and was uh, argued, you know, back in the in, in the 50s and whatnot, you know, when it came to like segregated restrooms, you know, these sorts of things, they, they go through time and and the same panics get brought up over and over and over. And it's it's successful. The reason that I think that it's so effective is like you said, when you ask people, when was the last time you interacted with a trans person? When was the last time you saw a trans person? They probably don't have an answer because trans people are a very, very small portion of the population. And that's, it's fine. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a, a small portion of a population, which some people will then point to and go, see, that's why we shouldn't accommodate them. But that's kind of ridiculous in its own right. I mean, you wouldn't go, well, there aren't too many redheads out there, but so we're going to just ban them from restrooms or whatever, you know. But the reason that I think that it, it, it works is that most of what people know about trans people is based on how trans people are portrayed in media. And that's part of why I'm so interested in media and news and how information travels and sticks. Like that is kind of kind of my obsession. Like why do people believe the totally bonkers off the wall things they believe, you know? Why do people believe that there was a, you know, a a child sex trade dungeon or whatever in the basement of Comet Pizza? You know, these things aren't rational beliefs, but they they just kind of like fit in people's minds. They 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 see that and they they cling to it and they go, "Yes." That helps me understand the world a little better. And so it's easy to not understand trans people when you are not seeing trans people actually on TV. Um, you know, when, when the news covers trans people and talks about trans people, uh, it is almost always done without any trans people there. And when, when media outlets write about trans people or trans issues, they often don't have trans people involved in that because they think that trans people would be biased, which I mean, th there's no, obviously people bring their own biases with them. Uh, but the fact that trans people are more or less kind of iced out of this makes it really difficult to counter the narratives that get, get pushed. You know, the, the idea that it's like, oh no, they want to go and they, they want to to turn your kid trans and they want to turn your kid gay and they want to, they want to do this. And you know, you, just over the weekend, there was Pamela Paul in the New York times, uh, you know, one of the columnists there, she wrote that uh, she basically, it was the same story that has been written time and time again about where it's like, well, when I was a little girl, I was kind I like playing with trucks and baseball. And so I think about that and I go, oh no, if I was a, if that was me today, would they try to try to tell me that I'm actually a boy, you know, or, oh, uh, a boy likes playing with dolls. That doesn't mean he's actually a girl. And, and the answer to that, like, obviously it's like, yeah, correct. You're, you're right. That is not a, that is not what anyone is arguing. No one is like, oh God, he touched a doll. I guess we better go put him on estrogen. Like, that's just not how any anything works but it's the narrative that gets out there the same thing with uh you know people like to talk about people like to go oh so so if so so someone's a bigot if they won't sleep with a trans woman it's like what are you talking about where where is this coming from and, and it'll always be like 
some weird YouTube channel, you know, where it's like some random person has one opinion, you know, where they're just like, hey, you know, dating is difficult for me. And I wish that it was easier. And then people will translate that to, oh, so if so, if you don't want to date a trans person, that means you're a bigot. And it's like, no, not that's not really what anyone is saying. But, you know, it's, it's so frustrating, because we, we have those conversations, we have the conversations about whether it's okay to, to misgender and dead name people and, you know, call them the their old names. Uh, but, but we don't talk about, you know, hey, should trans people have legal protections in, in, in the workplace or in public accommodations or, you know, any of these other, other areas where, where, you know, every, literally everyone else has public, has protections under the law. You know, like those are the things that when, when people are actually thinking about what trans people want, you know, the, the trans movement's gone too far. It's like, how has it gone too far if if the very first things on the list of things that trans people want, you know, legal protection, um, it, it haven't even hit those goals. So so too far is the bare minimum. So that's it's really frustrating to see that work and to see this total wall of ignorance that's kind of put up by mainstream outlets that just want to feed the narrative and not necessarily push back on it. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. I think a part part of this... um, and a part of how conspiracy theories and how both sidesism happens is because of a lack of education and a lack of resources and a lack of, let's just be honest, the desire to know any better, right? Um, I, I can remember uh, working on the Hill and working on the Hill, probably I think it was like the 110th Congress. So this is like a, a while ago. 
And when I got there, one of the pieces of legislation that was going around was the Equality Act. And it's like the Equality Act is always the act that is that is going around. And at the time, you know, I am a black queer woman who is working for another working for a a, a black congresswoman and sitting on this committee as a staffer. And we're debating whether or not to leave transgender people behind Mm. so that we could just advance a piece of legislation with the L, the G and the B. Mm. And, you know, as somebody who has been actively an LGBTQ advocate, worked on the front lines of marriage equality, has always had a foothold in some type of way, I have watched Parker both inside of the community as well as outside of the community be totally fine with saying, we'll come back for you later. Mm. Right. And, Mm. you know, and the reality is, is that if inclusion, is not made present, if education is not on the forefront, then there is no coming back later because Mm -hmm. the narrative is already taken off and the lie is around the corner before the truth even gets out the door and bills are being advanced. And then what you have stated essentially by, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to make this concession. People aren't concessions to be made. And I think that that's, that's also part of the problem here is that the right, um, in part, has been able to advance such lies because, in my personal opinion, the LGBTQ movement in and of itself is still also reconciling with their discrimin- internal discrimination and adverse treatment of trans people. Because when I was in the beginning, it was like, can't you just assimilate? Right. Can't Mm. we don't don't we all just want marriage? And if we get marriage, it doesn't that mean that we're all okay, Right. And so I want to get your thoughts on, you know, the the internal inside LGBTQ movement treatment of uh, of the trans community and how, in fact, some of that is then mirrored uh, and then taken to the extreme by the far right and what you have seen in similarities and, and or differences. Oh yeah! Wow, um, juicy, juicy yes, conversation. It, <laughs> it is because uh, what what you were what you're saying there is is totally totally correct. You know about how things how there is there are these intra community sort of debates that happen. I mean, one of the first places that I ever wrote uh, where I was I was writing and actually getting paid for it uh, was at the Advocate, which is like mm-hmm. LGBT. LGBTQ uh, news outlet. And I was just doing quick news write-ups. I was doing like three, three quick blogs a day, you know, that were just like, here's some story, write about it, put it out there. And every single time the comments on stories that had to do with, with trans people, you know, and these would be stories that would be like uh, a trans woman being like, like murdered Murdered. or assaulted Mm. or something like that. And you know, just trying to write it up in a respectful way. Because one of the reasons that I I wanted to to do that job was that at the time, I mean, and this was what, like 2012, so about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. that long ago. Um, there were a lot of articles that, you know, a, a 
for instance, I, I remember there was one where it was a trans woman was murdered and her body was found in, I think, like a, a, a lake or a pond or something like that. And the way that like the local news outlet described it, they said a strangely dressed man. And it's it's one of those things where I wanted to to be able to write about it to to actually frame it in a way that's it's a bit more humanizing. Humanizing, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm like, stuff what's like that, that word that begins yeah. with an H? Yeah, and and it would always be so frustrating because the responses would be like, oh, here we go, we got to care about this other thing now. And it's like, I mean, the 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 whole, you know, the the people who hate trans people also hate gay people and lesbians and bisexual people they just think that trans people are the easier target right now yep and i think that there's this you know i understand that there there is some some feeling among some lgb folks who will go well if we just got rid of trans people that Mm -hmm. would be we would everything would be so much easier for us but mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily true. I mean, there, these attacks on on trans people in conservative media and Republican legislatures, uh, they they've gone on, and most mostly haven't been noticed. I mean, these these have been pretty consistent for the past several years, and it wasn't until you know until they had this sort of success that they went out. And they were like, huh, well, maybe we can try to kind of open it back up. Because remember, for a while, it seemed like it was like, oh, the homophobia of of Republicans was maybe fading a little bit. And then it comes comes back. You have, you know, suddenly they're like, yeah, we have to stop people from teaching kids about gay people Mm. existing. You know, you had Ron DeSantis doing his thing and Greg Abbott and all of those guys. And so it really just shows that underneath the, the hate for trans people, is a hatred of anyone who is different. And, you know, that can go off in so many different ways. But it's it's really frustrating because, I mean, in 20, 2007, um, at the time, what is now the Equality Act was the Employment Non-Discrimination Act. Mm-hmm. It was, was what, that was the bill that kept, kept failing as it would go through Congress. Mm-hmm. And I remember in 2007, you had Barney Frank, who is yep. openly gay. He was arguing that trans people should be taken out of it. Taken out of the bill. Yeah. I yeah. was on the Hill. <laughs> yes, yeah. I remember. What year was that? You said 2007? 2007. That was 2007. And mm. the, the sad thing is the, the, the one congressman who like really was like loudly pushing back on this and explaining, making a great case for why this was a bad idea to cut trans people out was Anthony Weiner. Um, who, you know, it's like, you know, you like you watch his win. speech. You all can't he, win. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, cool. We, who's supporting us? Oh, cool. Great. First off, that's an unfortunate name for the, for the particular concern that people have right now. Also, uh, scandal coming, you know, like the, yeah. those sorts of things like they, they add up and, you know, it's, it's frustrating because he, he was right. He was right. It's, it's not, it's, you can't cut people out and then go, we'll come back for you. Because at the, on a state level, that's been done several times before. That's what New York did. And it was only, I don't know, was it a few years back that trans people finally got legal protection at the state level in New York? And it, it was early 2000s when gay people had those protections. And the whole thing was, we have to cut trans people out. Otherwise, 
it'll be hard to do it. But once you set have it where it's, you know, try to pass a bill that only helps trans people. Then you're not, it's never, everybody, and the thing is, everybody knows that. Everybody that knows politics and knows how to move legislation Mm -hmm. knows that. Anytime that you cut something out and then you say, oh, but we're going to come back for it, just like the rail workers in sick leave. Oh, Mm -hmm. we'll come back for it at some point. No, you won't. No. Because the bigger, the bigger bill has already passed. Yeah. Right. It's the inshallah. It's like, inshallah, inshallah, we'll come back for you. We'll come back. You're like, you're never coming back for me. Yeah, but yeah, just, just wait. Yeah, and and that's what that's what Wisconsin did as well. And that you know, it's just it's a bad strategy. And I, I think most people, I think most people who push it know that they just don't care about yes. trans people. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's why you know whenever whenever the Equality Act comes up, I just think to myself, I'm just like, either pass the whole thing, or don't it, find a way yeah. to get it through the Senate, or please don't bring it up for committee heat hearings and stuff because. The most recent time they did that was awful. And that uh, what that did was that sparked even more anti-trans mm-hmm. articles and, and attacks because they were like, look at these people on Congress. They want to turn your boys into girls and your girls into boys and all of that stuff. And, you know, that's why we need to take state level action and make it illegal for trans kids to exist. You know, they'll they'll do stuff like that, which is you know, like like obviously there are there are conversations to be had about what the best course of treatment for 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 trans teens is you know there are conversations to be had about you know what the rules should be for for trans athletes who are competing in sports you know are we talking k through 12 where it's mostly making friends and and you know or are we talking about professional sports and olympic sports like these are different things and those are nuanced conversations that could be had should be had probably but when, when whenever republicans are like i'm just very concerned about women's sports it's like mm, no you're not no you're not you're, you're no, really you're not. not you know they they like to go yeah well what if what if lebron decided he wanted to play in the wnba it's like first off that's a ridiculous hypothetical second i mean he'd crush it yeah he, yeah he would rule <laughs> i mean there's really there's no question about you know and and that's that's one of those things where it's like yeah, if someone's been, if someone has been through a testosterone-driven puberty, and someone is like, you know, six foot eight, and you know, like all these things, like, yeah, they're going to be good at basketball no matter what happens, no matter what they do at a certain point in their life, and that's why those conversations are are probably important. But it's such a such a ridiculously unlikely hypothetical that it's just a delay tactic. It's just a way to d- divert divert the conversation. You know, I mean, the WNBA is is so prestigious and and pays so well that you have Brittany Griner having to go to Russia to play in the off season. And how's that? That's not working out for her. And very then, no well. one cares about her. And, and no I tell, can I tell you that, yeah. that, that that was part of the conversation that we tried to have and didn't have about the reason why she was in Russia to begin with. But I think, you know, the fact is, is that you're able to make a boogie person, right? right out of people who you choose willful ignorance about their very existence. And it's why you hear now the same tropes of groomer and pedophile that was used in the 1980s during the, you know, during the rise of the AIDS epidemic to be able to say, well, this is why we're not going to give these people over here that are dying in the street any aid because they're going to hell anyway. Right. This is what people just said about the awful shooting 
at Club Mm -hmm. Q in Colorado Springs. Well, you know, we're not going to mourn this. And Tucker Carlson is going to go on yet another anti-trans entire show segment. The day um, after. The The day day after after the shooting. Because he can hide behind hide behind religion hide behind whatever hey i'm alok the host of build the change a brand new podcast from mac blue about the people at the center of progress join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves real change You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. And, and so, like, I wonder, and then Waj, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. You know, Parker, these, when we talk about these legislations and these policies, that then the far right, they don't want to call the far right Republicans, the, the white supremacist, Republican, anti trans, homophobic cult, um, will then decide that, well, we need to carve out. We need to, we need carve outs for religious freedom. We need carve outs for religious protection. Isn't that, in your opinion, is that just, again, providing more clout and credence to discrimination and transphobia and homophobia than it is in having a real conversation? Because you're, again, allowing these people to hide their, their hatred mm-hmm. behind their Bible. Yeah. Well, and, and one, one of the, the things that, that keeps, that I keep thinking about is that when, you know, when people defended, you know, when people support openly supported segregation, you know, that like the reason was often, well, it's my, it's my religious belief that, Mm. that the races should stay apart. Like that was always their thing. Mm -hmm. That was always what they would go to. No one, like you were, it's very rare to find people who will just openly be like, yeah, fuck that group. You know, like they're, they want to find some reason, some justification. And it's, it's like reverse engineering it to try to, to try to get to a point where they can implement that as policy. I mean, even, even if you think about the, the, the current like freak out over like, uh, trans kids, you know, like that's their, that's their big, big freak out right now where they're like, Oh, well, what if, what if this happens? And what if, what if they have, you know, pretending like they care about things like bone density or whatever, whatever the fuck it's like, come on, you, you don't care about bone density. You just don't want trans kids to exist. That's, that's why. And part of that has to do with the fact that when they think of, when they think of trans, trans people, when they think of trans women, especially, they think of like big hulking, you know, monster, you know, looking people with with super wide shoulders and a and a 
you know, a gravelly voice and a beard and while wearing a dress, like that is what it, they're in their mind. They picture because that is what they tell themselves. The trans people are like, you know, and that is why there is so much they've conflated drag queens with, with trans women, um, which, which are very different. Like I'm wearing a, a, a sweatshirt, a crew neck sweatshirt that I've worn for two days straight. I'm wearing Adidas track pants and I'm sitting next to a big pile of baseball caps. Mm. So, you know, like I am not your typical, like I, you're, no one's ever going to see me jumping around, like wearing, wearing a dress or a skirt or whatever. Like that is just, it's just not my style, which is why the whole, the whole, if a, if a boy wears a dress, that doesn't make him a girl. It's like, yeah, correct. You know, when people ask, because people have asked me and they've gone, why can't, why can't you just be a feminine man? And I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not a feminine anything. <laughs> I'm just kind of, you know, it's just, it's just what works for me. It's, it's just who I am. And it's, it's frustrating because you end up having to deal with just straw man arguments, weird red herrings, you know. Um, it's the same for all, all these like groups, that. right? Like what, what you've yeah. described. And I think what's, what's so sad is that we keep falling for the same divide and conquer tactic that is used yeah. by colonials and the right wing, right? The 2010 midterm elections, Sharia is going to take over. And people are like, what the F is Sharia? I don't know what it is, but it's terrifying. Muslim was the boogeyman, right? And then the yeah. invaders of 2018, people forget the caravan, caravan, caravan. And now it's the trans, right? See, they're like, mm -hmm. okay, we'll, we'll run with CRT, but oh, we're not getting as much traction with banning black women authors. But oh, people are terrified of trans. That like activates the reptilian brain of parents that, you know, we're yeah. going to chop off their son's penis. Uh, yeah. So let's run with that. But you also are a critic of media, mm -hmm. Parker. Yes. And I think the connection that has to be made is the connection of the right wing media. And when they target not just trans people, but also uh, poll workers, law enforcement, mm -hmm. elected officials, educators, what we've witnessed in the past couple of months is the rise in stochastic terrorism. And, and the definition of yep. stochastic terrorism is the use of mass media to target specific individuals and communities, which results in random acts of violence, which are statistically probable. And you unfortunately have spent way too much of your time following right-wing media and then like, like, like praying to the heavens, please, for the love of God, stop doing both sides. Talk to us about this environment that we're in right now. Where yeah. it isn't just your daddy's right wing media. This and, and you, you could disagree with me that this is a weaponized force that is training its sights on marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. And by doing a both sides analysis, we we are doing a disservice, not just to the truth, but we're doing a disservice to national security. Yeah. Well, and and I so remember back in 2015, there were a bunch of um there were a bunch of videos that the, that the right was really trying to push to make into a big story. It was mm -hmm. it was this this right wing activist who had a had a series of videos that that supposedly showed that that Planned Parenthood was was selling baby parts. That was their big thing. Planned Parenthood sells baby parts. That was their line, and they kept pushing it. And it wasn't true. Um, it was like the the way to explain it would have been you know it's it, had a totally innocent understanding, but they, they couldn't just go, well, yeah, you know, like, you know, leftover, like what, what, what do you do with this, with tissue and this and that? 
No, they were like, no, they're selling arms and heads and brains, you know, like, like what the fuck? Um, but you had, so, so you had, you know, Carly Fiorina brought that up during one of the Republican debates where she, she just shared some nonsense story where she's like, I saw a doctor who are you a video with a doctor and there was a moving child on the table and they were like, quick harvest the organs. And it's just like, that didn't happen. You know, nope. like that, that wasn't real. But then the, in, in November of that year, I think, I think it was November, maybe December. Anyway, it was in the like early winter, uh, late fall. Uh, you had a guy go out to a Planned Parenthood location in Colorado and shoot the place up. And he killed three people, I believe. Oh, I remember and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, afterwards, uh, the, the police were talking to him and he said, no more baby parts. Like that, he, he straight up said their catchphrase, you know, like there's not much more to it or, than or that. Or Paul Pelosi. And, People are forgetting Paul yeah, Pelosi. Mm-hmm. Exactly. assassination Same attempt thing. on the Pelosi's. It's it's so frustrating because they they do these things and then they go oh oh how could you say that was how could you say that was us and then they'll try to they'll try to spin it uh, you know that uh, the Planned Parenthood dude you had Ted Cruz after being told that the guy said no more baby parts uh, Ted Cruz go well how do we know how do we know he wasn't a transgender leftist it's like well because he said no more he repeated your slogan you know <laughs> I mean like there there's he this happens all the time and that's why yeah after the paul pelosi thing you you saw them go well maybe it was his gay lover what like where is this even exactly. coming from you yeah know, it's coming it, from no it's coming from thin yeah. air that's after where the uvalde from. shooting there were people who were passing around actual photos of of trans people to be like this is the shooter and it wasn't you know mm. they, these things happen all the time where they they try to to make it seem like it's like, no, you're attacking yourself and then you're blaming us for it. And we're just trying to get the truth out. You know, of course we condemn violence, but wink, you know, it's like if people do it and take it into their own hands, what are we going to do? You know, and that, right. that sort of stuff happens. And, and, and it's largely one of the big issues here is that uh, Fox News, especially, but it, it happens across right-wing media and even into mainstream media sometimes we'll take stories that just are not do not have actual news value and we'll go yeah no this is going to be on the news tonight you know there was a there was a video that it was some starbucks worker i remember from a few weeks ago some starbucks worker was just kind of like having a really bad day and posted a video on tiktok that was just like this is, this is so hard. I'm really struggling, you know, like on the verge of tears, basically being like, I've had to work a double today and people just keep coming in and I'm overwhelmed. And then that ended up on Jesse Waters, Fox news show. And like, why, why? That was just a a random person having a bad day. Why are you putting a target on their back? Why, what purpose does this serve? There was another thing I saw uh, just the other day, it was a TikTok video where it was a guy who was like, oh, went and just got just got all my meds to keep me to keep to keep me sane. He's like, this one helps me focus. This one helps me sleep. And this one's an antipsychotic. And we should all be happy that I take that. Like he was just doing it like it was it was kind of jokey. And then Fox put that on TV. And he was like, at first, I thought this was funny. But then I started getting messages from people and it yep. was scary and and that is this this sort of thing that when when I worked at Media Matters, uh, which I was there between uh, 2018 and 
in 2021. Um, when I worked at Media Matters, I wrote an article that was called Tucker Carlson Tonight is the Local News Broadcast from Hell. And what I meant by that was that he he takes whatever the crazy local news story in all these small markets is, he would find that, take it, and then put it on his show and be like, this is what the left wants to do to America. You know, mm -hmm. this is what they want to, oh, you know, and sometimes you would just make things up. You would have, uh, there was an art installation at, at a college where someone uh, made something that they called the cry closet, where it was just in the middle of a room, there was like a phone booth that, mm -hmm. they, that they had. And it was, again, an art installation. And then he ran a story where it was like, some colleges are now installing cry closets for students who get overwhelmed. It's like, it's, no. It's, <laughs> it's to make sure that like, it, Fox News and the far right operate in the way of never allow the truth to get in the way of a good story, right? Like that, that's, that's the reality of how they maneuver and I think that, you know, Parker, it is because of people like you who have dedicated their careers to uplifting truth, to navigating bullshit, to making sure that people understand what is credible and what is not, um, that allows us to continue to kind of march forward and trying to create a society um, that is better than what we've inherited and hopefully leaving behind something that is, you know, that is better for the next generation to take forward because these tropes keep happening because of misinformation, because of silencing, because of closeting people and throwing them out and saying that they don't matter. And I think that, you know, that's the reason why we do this show, uh, Waj and I, and we're just, we're really happy and grateful for you for taking the time to join us for the work that you are doing. Um, and you deserve all the awards, uh, <laughs> not just, not just from, from NYU. So we just want to say thank you. Uh, and we appreciate you for joining democracy ish. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm really glad that we had, had this conversation today. Thank Thanks you for so much, Parker. And everyone, uh, read Parker's Substack. Parker, where can they find your Substack? They can find my Substack at readtpa. So readtpa.com. Love it. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. And I'm Wajat Ali. And we will be back next week if, in fact, we have a country left. Inshallah. <laughs>